Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show, we attempt to share with you exactly what we're attempting to do here on the radio show. This radio show is actually sponsored by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do in this format is to share with you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to come out of incarceration and to blend it back into community. We would argue that that's definitely a process that you do not understand nor have any idea about what's going on. So we're going to try to enlighten you with that. We do that in several different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio show. Surprisingly, we've been doing this radio show for almost six years now. Uh, If you go back to KBXL and look under Victory Over Sin in the archives, you will find a listing of all the old shows. It's quite a body of work, if you will, to understand what happens here in the Department of Corrections here in the state of Idaho. There's groups there who have support people coming out of incarceration. We've got people that just came out of incarceration, came right to the studio. I think we've got every one of the past four directors. The Department of Corrections is on the radio. Uh, We've got state senators. We've even got a governor on there. So uh, it's a good body of work, if you will, to understand corrections in the state of Idaho. Go back and take a look at it. I might also mention, too, that it is on Spotify, iHeart, and all those different podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we are listed there, too. Just look up Victory Over Sin. It'll come up, and uh, you'll be able to check all the back podcasts, if you will. Uh, In addition to that, we actually do a situation in which we will come out with a PowerPoint presentation to your church group, to your uh, neighborhood association, to any organization that will have us, and we will give you a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation. The great thing about this is that it is led by a returning citizen themselves, so they will present the information, and then be there to answer questions. So that's a good way to get a discussion about the issues of facing people coming out of incarceration here in Idaho firsthand, and it's powerful. At the end of the show, I will let you know how to get in touch with me. If you want any of those that information or you want to set any of those things up, you want to volunteer, you want to figure out how to help us, we're excited about all that. So get in touch with me, and we'll be happy to do that. If you've been listening to me over the years, you know that we've certainly grown in uh, the work that we do for people coming out of incarceration. We're now in two locations. The main one where we greet people on a daily basis as people come out of incarceration is at 3217 West Overland Road. That's near Vista in Boise, Idaho. We are there 9 to 12, Monday through Friday. Uh, In addition to that, if you need a ride from incarceration and you're walking around on the track right now and you don't know who's going to pick you up, have your case manager send me an email and we will actually put you in the system, come pick you up, and then walk you through the first couple of days of your life back into incarceration, from incarceration, I apologize. In addition to that, we have our one another office, a satellite office inside 
Division Three Probation and Parole in Caldwell, Idaho. When you're going in to see your PO there, just say, hey, I want to talk to St. Vincent de Paul, and uh, we'll be happy to talk with you there in that office at that time. So check all those things out. If you need additional information about what we do and what we're attempting to do, you can go to www.svdpid.org. We are very excited about the future and the directions in which we're going. We've got some very outstanding employment aspects happening for people who are out of incarceration. So again, you're driving around, you don't have the right job. Give us a call. We'll hook you up with some people who will get you situated and going forward to a better situation, hopefully, for you. Uh, I'm going to be right back with somebody that is a powerful person here in our community that we've run across and have gotten to know recently, and we'll be back in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on Earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the needed change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, as I mentioned before the break, it's really interesting how you run across people in the Valley who are uh, you want to know and you figure out to know, and I'm really excited to have with me today Jim Ash. We're going to call Jim an advocate. Is that okay to call you an advocate? That'd be fine. Thanks, Mark. Thank I'm you. Happy to be here. Give us a little bit about your background. Um, I grew up in uh, north central Idaho. I was born in Grangeville, Idaho, and I uh, grew up in a little town called Kuski on the Indian Reservation. And about 30 miles away from that, my mom lived in Orfino, and I just kind of jumped back and forth. Growing up in the small town life, my uh, dad was a logger. He owned a bar in town, and from a young age, alcohol kind of revolved around any, everything in our life. And my dad was an alcoholic and, and uh, didn't take me very long to become one either. By 14 years old, I was full-blown alcoholic, so... Yeah, I know. That sounds like, uh, I, I think it's interesting a little bit. We'll get into a little bit more about where you ended up, but it's how you and I met is really sort of a interesting thing that we were talking about before we started taping the show today. It's a sm- I know it's a small area, small town, small state, and you do see people in media and you see people, what people are doing. And it was always like I kept seeing this name and I kept coming across this name and I'd be places where you'd speak or whatever. And then suddenly I ran across you, I think, at uh, an ICAD convention or something like that at BSU. Yeah. And we ran across each other in the parking lot. That's that's when we actually first met the first time. Yep, right? it is. Yep, in the parking garage. Yes, yeah, right. So it's like, and my, I made note to myself, man, I got to figure out who that guy is and kind of get in touch with him. And I saw you at a graduation where you were speaking for Boise Rescue Mission. But I think the point being is, guys, you know who's out here doing the right thing. And it just, it surfaces. You can't, you know, cream rises is, I guess, what I would say. So uh, that's why I'm happy you're here and happy to understand uh, what's going on with you. Thanks, Mark. 
So you are have gone through what I think is one of the most difficult programs to go through, which is the New Life program at the Boise Rescue Mission. Yeah. So you have a tremendous amount of my respect. Uh, why don't you talk about the choices that you made that got you in that and define that program for us, I guess. You bet. You know, I've, I've actually gone through probably two of the hardest programs in Idaho. I went through the uh, Ada County Drug Court program and graduated that one as well. But when I graduated, you know, I stayed sober for a little bit. But there was a piece missing once I graduated that program, and, and, and I can talk about that a little bit more later. But um, I ended up relapsing, and um, after a long five years out on the streets running amok, I ended up um, at the Boise Rescue Mission. And um, part that I was missing from drug court was the God part. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, looking back now, I can see where he had saved me so many times. And, and kept guiding me in the right direction. I just, I wasn't able to, to see it at the time. But Boise Rescue Mission, you know, when I, when I first went in there, I, I was welcomed. And, you know, they gave me a little bit of time to sleep. <laughs> um, it had been a while since I'd done that. And, um, and then I just hit the road running with them. And they had, they had classes that, that we did, lots of volunteering. That's almost, that's, uh, you say volunteering, but it's almost indentured servitude it is, just it by is. design, right? Yep, and is. I think by design, in some ways, that, that's where it works, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, it's the most humbling experience a person will ever have, um, living in a mission with, with homeless people and, and then realizing that, you know, that, that God loves every single one of us. Absolutely. <laughs> but well, in the, while they're at the mission, they also would take us places. You know, I, I got introduced to 10 mile Christian church and that's where I would say that's where my recovery really started. Um, getting plugged in, um, with the church and, and with celebrate recovery there at 10 mile. And then, and then the counselors that we had at, at the rescue mission, you know, you, most places you go, you have a counselor, they're, they're, dockets full of people and at the rescue mission you got one counselor that's really counseling four or five people and that's it and so there's a lot of one-on-one time and a lot of time to answer or ask all those stupid questions you have in your head and and that they answer for you well i think that the again we talked about this the other day too before but uh, the quality of people who are were at that old lighthouse kind of situation where you where you were really in in canyon county i mean dr greenley was there and uh, we were, were making fun of Walter Meyer, who was there. And yeah. Mark Gornick was there. I mean, uh, those people who know addiction in this yeah. valley, you say Mark Gornick, and they go, he's, he's looked at as, you know, like the yeah. guru of, of addiction. So, and all those people were floating through that yeah. crazy place. And it was a crazy place. Yeah. Ken Bennett, yeah. previous warden, was yep. there. Uh, uh, Dave Nelson, uh, deputy director, was there. Jacob Lang. There was some just great people there that, that were doing it for the right reasons. and Because they're not getting rich while working for the Boise Rescue Mission. That's they're doing true. it for That's the right true. reasons. That's true. That's true. I think it's, uh, it's interesting to me how... I was trying to do an internship at the Lighthouse from NNU in social work, and I was trying to make it work. And I was trying to do something between Walter Maher and, and Gornick, and we couldn't make it work. But it was, I was just overwhelmed at the organized chaos, I guess, uh, it, that was there at that point in time. Yeah. Tammy Harris was there yeah. at that point in time, yeah. working for a time. So it was just, it was interesting. But the result for you guys 
was certainly support and going through a situation that changed everybody's life that was there, right? Yeah. Even the ones that, you know, even the ones that, and I'm still in contact with people that didn't finish the program, but it made an impact on their life. And, you know, it's, it's not always the, the seed sprouting that happens right at that time. It's them watering those seeds and, and um, you know, eventually they're going to get it, hopefully. Again, I'm going to go back to the same, the same way in terms of talking about people in the Valley. I, I don't think I told you this when we talked earlier in the week, but um, I was in an event where a dealership was giving money to the Boise Rescue Mission. And so I was talking to uh, Bill Roscoe, and, we were, I was, and he, he knows that I've been incarcerated. And he goes, and you know there's somebody else that uh, you, know, you can't believe is a big success story, and he's given back, and he mentioned your name. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't, you weren't there, nobody was there, but out of the blue, he just mentioned your name. So that has to be kind of a... What kind of responsibility is that if you're, is that a banner that you carry or is that a burden or is that something you relish or do you enjoy? I guess that would be my question. I definitely, I can't, I could never give enough back to the Boise Rescue Mission for what they gave me. So um, Reverend Roscoe, he's a godsend and and, uh, he does so much for this community and and, um, it drives me. It continues to drive me and and keep me in that recovery community because it's so easy to get you know, five years or more of recovery and then slip back into just a normal life. And, um, and I don't want that. I want to keep helping the people that, that were just like me. You know, I lived in a storage unit during snowmageddon and nearly froze to death, tried to take my own life, um, in that storage unit. And, and the, the shot that I went to give myself froze and I wasn't able to do it. And um, that was probably the turning point for me. I remember being in that storage unit and praying to God, either let me die or help me. And um, from that point on, things just started lining So up. that's almost like an indicator saying, no, I've got a plan for you. Yeah. And, really, and so, yeah. no, I got something else for you to do. Yeah, and I don't think he's done. So no, no, just I'm keep sure going. I'm sure he's not. I think we all have. Uh, well, I'll ask this question: Don't you think we all have those moments in which suddenly it changes, and you say, like the eyes are open, mm-hmm. and you say, "Oh my heavens, this is this is what I'm supposed to have gotten. This is what I'm supposed to get." Now everything's changed. Is yeah. that is, do all Christians have that? You think or do? I think so, and I think we all get that choice. I mean, we talked yesterday. I remember the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know that's that's who was talking to me at that time, really giving me a choice. You're either going to do this and and go to prison, or you're going to change your life, and, and I'm going to give you a better one. And and I think we all probably get that. I just don't know that everybody recognizes it when, when that happens. And I think that's where we can help those people that are in that mental state, is by letting them know that... that to recognize it. Well, and I also think it's brave that you discuss it, share it, so that people can say, oh, you know, maybe this is where well, I had that kind of situation. I know for me, I tell the story about being in the hole at ISCC. It's now called ISCC. And with nothing to do but a Bible and an AA book, and the AA book didn't really help me. So as I started reading the Bible, it's uh, it was as if God was saying to me, I've been trying to get your attention for 50 years, Mr. Rennick. Now we have a little bit of time Uh as you sit here. Maybe we should kind of have a conversation. So to me, that was the thing that said, oh, my heavens, you know, and it's like, and I thought back to 10 years before when my daughter had nearly died in the first days of her birth. 
And I can remember going out at Sutter Memorial Hospital in Sacramento, basically, and giving my life to Christ. And suddenly it dawned on me that, oh, I'm being disciplined because I didn't do everything I said I was going to do 10 years ago. And she's healthy and she's okay. And I promised to do all sorts of stuff that I didn't necessarily follow through with the enthusiasm. And so when I made that connection, then it was like, for me, yeah. the world changed. I mean, it was just like everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I look forward to every day who God's going to put in my life yeah. because I know that there's more to the plan mm-hmm. and um, you almost wait in anticipation on who you're going to get to get to meet and how they're going to help me or how I'm going to be able to help them. And You know, in some ways it's a, res- uh, it's a responsibility that I, I, I understand I have, but I almost sometimes I think I fail because I don't share it well enough with people. Yeah. It's like there'll be a situation where I should, I should probably share that. But do people get tired of hearing my stories like that? You know, and I go back and forth with that because I'm like you. Somebody will walk in and it'll be, oh, my heavens. And yeah. and uh, somebody else should know that. But I go back and forth with that all the time. I, I do, too. And, and especially in social media, I'm very open about my my past and and what's going on in my life and and I sometimes wonder if people are oh he's wanting a pat on the back but then I get that one message from somebody that says hey I really appreciate you doing that that really makes yeah. makes it real for me and well yeah. I'll, I'll reinforce that too because I kind of do the same thing I push those limits and there'll there'll be those who will think oh my heavens he's a phony or he isn't true but you're right there will be something uh, I will also have people come up to me and say, I go out of my way to read this stuff and post and your positive stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I would argue to keep doing it. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, I've come far enough to where I know I'm not going to make everybody happy exactly. and I don't want to make anybody happy. <laughs> I'm really just trying to listen to what he wants me to do and going forward with it. And me too. Sometimes I screw up and it looks stupid, but sometimes it works. Yeah. Amen. Amen. T- tell me you had an instance with your brother and uh, about a controversial it's not controversial, but it's certainly a crisis more so than others in our valley and in the country. So you want to mention that a little bit? You bet. Um, you know, my, my brother grew up with the same exact past I did. I mean, we grew up, we're 15 months apart, and he had the same trauma that I did. And and then as he got older, he had the same opportunities as at recovery as I did. He went to the Boise Rescue Mission twice. He was at the mission up in, in Spokane. And it just never, he could never, it could just never click with him. He ended up getting arrested on a drug charge in Idaho County. And we worked with the judge as a family to, to get him into treatment over in Seattle. And in retrospect, I wish we wouldn't may probably had done that, but we got him a bus ticket as soon as they released him from jail. He went from the Idaho County jail to uh, Seattle and he never made it to that treatment center. And, um, I got a call in November from a hospital of a John Doe that was in the hospital. They'd ran his fingerprints and they somehow got a hold of me. And, you know, he was in there. Um, they had found him on the streets of Seattle, um, overdosed on fentanyl. And um, they were able to bring him back, but he had been out for about 30 minutes. Um, so me and my family, his kids and my mom, we all traveled to Seattle and and got to spend a few days with them before before he passed away and um you know i i help people every single day or i try to help people every single day i talk about recovery every single day but i wasn't able to help my own brother and it's kind of put a a new fire in me 
right. um, about the whole fentanyl crisis. As I was um, in the in the hospital in Seattle at Harborview Medical, I walked out of the hospital and I was standing on the parking garage, looking out at the beautiful bay, the beautiful stadiums, and then I walked over to the edge of the the parking garage and I looked down and it was just squalor. Yeah. And there's people open use, drug use, and and zombies and. And it's just, when I seen that, I couldn't help but think that's going to be Boise, Idaho in the future. And, and that's, you know, we're always about 10 years behind here and, and I don't want that. And, um, you know, fentanyl overdoses killed about 110,000 people in the United States last year. And 86,000 of those were fentanyl overdoses. And, um, you know, I know that people are trying to spread the word, but we need to do more. You know, I think it's obviously it's a tragedy, uh, and it's the similar. There's an analogy too to the similar tragedy of the people walking around who are won't take seriously probably the need to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. It's almost the same kind of parallel in terms of tragedy, not not the immediate death of overdose, but it's the same thing. And I don't, how do you combat that? How do you live with that? How do you do that every day and go forward and try to be the best you can when you face such uh, negative aspects of life as we just go through the world. Right. You know, and, and you know this as much as I do being in this recovery world, we lose people that we know every day. Every day. And, um, and that's, that is really discouraging. But then I go to CR on a Thursday night and I see a guy that just got out of moonlight recovery yeah. and, and, you know, a year later he's married and he's moved into his own house and he's, and he's getting ready to have a baby and, and he's a success story. Right. And that's what drives me that. And, and then you got to use a little bit of that sadness of all those people we've lost too to keep driving, driving yeah. us. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a, it's one of the more difficult things that we do in terms of trying to motivate ourselves to kind of go, can think of some of those, but it's just, it seems overwhelming at times. It does. I've gone to more. Be, it could be just me out there projecting it too. I've gone to more funerals in the last two years than I care to ever That's go right. to. That's right. Doing more funerals and more hospitals than I never, ever thought I would do yeah. at this age of my life. I'd much rather visit them in prison, I think, <laughs> <That's> than, a, <laughs> than, in, than at the graveyard. So you've switched CRs. You're down in Middleton. Ta- tell us a little bit about that. Too. Yeah, you bet. Um, uh, a little over two years ago, uh, Nick Duffel, who used to be at 10 Mile, and his staff asked a group of us to to start a CR in, in Middleton, and um, and it's it's just grown and grown and grown. It's a it's one of the biggest uh, celebrate recoveries in in the valley now. And we we like I said, we meet on Thursday nights, do dinner at six, same format as all of them. We do dinner at six, uh, large group at seven, and then at eight o'clock we we do small groups and. Um, you know, our, our, I've, I've been in a lot of groups in the last 25 years of, of being in recovery, and I've never been in a men's group like the one I'm in out there. Um, just the transparency and the love and, and inviting Jesus Christ into everything, it's, it's a really great experience. All of the CRs here in the Valley are good, and but I gotta, I love ours. <laughs> well, I also think that if anybody deserves to go out to Middleton and to find uh, an entity and a place to develop uh, a church it was nick and um he was really uh he really is a good man and uh i mean congratulations because i know 
it all comes back to the leadership and where that all flows down from. And so he creates that environment that allows that to happen. So kudos to him. He's married to a neat lady. And that's, you know, that's a good spot. You're in Middleton. That's that's something that you really should go out of your way just to walk in and to catch that situation. Yeah, it's 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 special. That's for sure. It really is. And speaking as one who's kind of looking for a new church, uh, it's hard to find that. We've been kind of doing it for a couple months because mine closed. And it's difficult to go in and find that spot where the the Holy Spirit really is there yeah. and you can feel it and feel comfortable and feel welcomed. Yeah. So that might be a spot if you're looking around. Yeah, Canyon Springs in Middleton. Canyon Idaho. Springs, Middleton. Shout out for Mr. Nick. That's a good deal. What else can we do in terms of closing up? Let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is you're in probation, you're on parole, you're kind of getting over your addiction. I'm of the belief that there's really the only way that that's going to happen is if you develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you going to agree with that? Chime that in or uh, help abso- me articulate that better absolutely, than I can? Absolutely. And it's who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with godly men that are doing godly things, it's going to rub off and you're going to become just like them. If you surround yourself with knuckleheads, you're going to stay a knucklehead. And, yeah. and for me... Once I figured out that Jesus Christ was my higher power and that that no matter what, he was going to be with me, that's when everything changed for me. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And everybody that I know that's in recovery, um, that I that I hang out with, it's, it's, you know, it's Jesus. It is people who you hang out with. I mean, again, you're listening to us. Uh, let's say you're walking around the track out there in the desert and you're about to get out. You cannot minimize the fact that it is who you hang out with and what you're going to do once you're released. And going back to those old ways are not the way to do that. And uh, yeah. it's hard work. It's heavy lifting, I guess I would say, to come out. But it's worth it in the end. It is. And it's, uh, you know, I it, it's not always perfect. <laughs> oh, no. It's not always perfect. But it's a lot easier than trying to figure out what I'm going to do for my next fix. Well, and I think it's also, too, It's um, I, I think you share this the same feeling I have. I get up in the morning and I'm excited to do what I do. And it's yeah. like, I, there's not any hesitation. I think, well, I could sleep in or do this or do something else. No, I need to get on with whatever has got planned for my day. And yeah. sometimes it's, I do not know how this day is going to come together, but we'll see how it does come together. Cause yeah. there, there's too much stuff planned in there, but somehow it always works out. Yeah. Amen. Well, anyway, it's a pleasure to kind of get to know you and to go forward. My sense is, is that, Going forward, uh, we're going to work closer together and we're going to do good things together. And um, I'm I'm challenged by the energy that you have and I enjoy it and respect it. And thank you for sharing with us. I'm sure we'll do it again. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it very okay. much. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength I need to start again Strength I need to start again He gives me victory over
Okay, rarely do you run across people like that. Let me tell you, go back and look at our show. There's good people in this valley. Uh, Jim Ash is one of those. If you need to reach me or want to get involved with some of the stuff we do, it's pretty easy to do. www.systemicchangeofid.com. We got, uh, you want to send me an email, it's Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. If you even, if you want to call me on the phone, you can call me on the phone. It's 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.